Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. So happy to welcome you to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Mr. Ben Riddell. The music business has come full circle when it comes to releasing music on singles versus albums. The Brill-building artists plug songs one at a time, and for decades it was singles that drove the industry. And then in the 1970s, singer-songwriters and prog rock bands came along, and that meant that albums were now meant to be enjoyed as a whole, with each track telling a small part of a bigger story. But there was always a stepchild of this either-or format, the EP. EP stands for Extended Play, and these releases are usually comprised of four to five songs, longer than a single but shorter than a full-length album. Artists and labels make them for various reasons, for live tracks, to bridge a long gap between albums, and always to keep an artist fresh in the public's mind. The dominance of internet downloading in today's music retail environment has brought singles back to the forefront as consumers cherry-pick albums for the tracks they like best. But the EP is making a comeback as well. Putting together a handful of songs is a simpler proposition for independent artists than making a whole record. And that same logic prompted Los Angeles' Ben Riddell to issue his debut album as an EP. It's called The Big Dang Deal, and it has what any album should have. Great songs, good sounds, and solid performances. Riddell's music is steeped in the good stuff of 70s rock and roll, and we're already looking forward to what a full-length record from him will sound like. Welcome to Independence Day, Ben Riddell. Thank you, Joe. How you doing? I'm great, man. It's good. It's good to have a smile and face in the studio, man. Yeah. So many musicians are uh, boating. They're 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 droll. Uh huh. They're 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 people. They're they're mad about something. Yeah, you know. It, ever since the the '90s, kind of kicked in. Everyone kind of got yeah. angsty. And we live in California, is. man. It's, it's a, beautiful here. It's a beautiful day today. It's like all why? year round. So let's talk music, man. I've been looking forward to having you on the show. You've got a pretty wide breadth of experience in music. You come from Texas originally. Yep. And you've been out in Los Angeles about 10 years, but this is your first record, your first yeah, solo record. first solo record. I've, I've been playing in bands uh, in kind of the same vein, Americana bands, since I got here. I was in a band, a really good band called Well Diggers Banquet for a while, and I was in uh, Leslie and the Badgers and uh, Maxim Ludwig and the Santa Fe 7. Uh, I still play with that, and that's kind of changed into Drivey Said and uh, Basin for all kinds of projects as well throughout that time. And, uh, you know, I just... Uh, you know, you got to keep current, you got to keep playing, and that's just kind of what I've right. been doing. But this is the first time I've ever, like, you know, kind of been at the helm and, like, made the decisions when it came to the songwriting, um, what was going to be on the record, how it was going to sound. And so I, I'm really proud of it because it's the first time I've ever really, you know, been in full control. And I'm yeah. not, it's not like a, Napoleon thing with me, like where I I have to have it, but it's it's at the same time it's it's nice to you know have that ability. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of bands, artists, project, a lot of art in general functions best when there's a benevolent dictator. Mm -hmm. You know, someone who's because someone has to be the boss. Someone yeah. ultimately has to make the decisions. This is how this is going to go. We're going to put the songs in this order. So, are you? Did you produce this yourself? Then, well, um, my my good buddy Eric Reniker, he produced the record, and you know, me and him definitely like. You know, when it came to the way things sounded, um, we worked hand in hand on that. Um, but you know, I mean, and when it comes to my band, they they come up with their own parts. I, I don't go that crazy. I yeah. basically, you know, I give you know uh, the guys in my band, you know, free reign to just you know do their thing and and just do whatever they feel artistically uh, will make the most sense. If you have good players. You know that you can. You don't you, have to worry. You don't about have it. to worry about yeah. it. You know, you don't have to micromanage. Exactly. Um, and it's an easy, easy thing to do as a band leader to be because you know these are these are all your songs. Yeah, yeah. On the record, so yeah. when they're your songs, you know they're very close to your heart, and you've usually got a pretty strong idea about. Well, no, I think the bridge should not have a, two bars before it comes in, and you know, and so when you. Uh, you know, when you bring in the songs, you know, because they're yours and you're you're kind of co-producing this record, um, do you? Uh, what am I trying to get at here? Like, how much input do you need from them or want from them? Like, you just kind of let them come up with your parts. But like, if they come up with something, like, hey, maybe if we put the bridge after this chorus or this or that, are you, will you, yeah, are you willing I mean, to entertain uh, those kinds uh, of for sure? I would definitely, and especially when it comes to the the, the cast I had assembled uh, for, for well, the cast I have assembled for Benardell Band. I mean, they're all such credible musicians. It's it's you know, if they have an idea and they come to the table with it, it's probably a pretty good idea. Yeah, and um, but I mean, I it's one of those things where also they you know they they 
they like most of my ideas. At least they let me think they do. <laughs> and uh, so it's, uh, you know, it, for, for most part, it's kind of been, you know, we've just kind of just rolled with the punches and it's been a very loose environment. And that's just kind of what I really like about this project is that we're all, there's never a tense moment with this band. It's like we just kind of get together and we, yeah. we hang out and smoke cigarettes and talk and laugh and joke and, out, and then go play. Out and comes music. Out comes music. We used to have a basketball hoop outside my uh, my rehearsals, like my garage I rehearsed yeah, yeah. in growing up. And that was like the coolest thing because we'd take, you know, we're not like big sports geeks or anything or like jockey type dudes. But like, you know, we'd been, you've been rocking for an hour or two. It's like, oh, it's nice to go and like go outside. And I grew up in the Midwest, so it's, you know, summer evening and the, it's light out till nine o'clock and you can go out there and just sh- shoot the ball. It's nice yeah, yeah. to, it's nice to balance that out. Totally. Let's, um, I want to give people a listen to this right away. This is a brand, this is a brand new EP called the big dang deal. It's Ben Riddell and his band. Does the band have a name? Uh, ben Riddell band. That's what ben we're, we're kind of doing the Steve Miller band or yeah, yeah. Edgar Winters band. Kind of that, that throwback thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's in the, it's, it's a great record, man. There's great music on this. Well, thank you. There are five tracks and they're all in their own way, kind of somewhat reminiscent of like the best of seventies rock and roll. Which yeah, that's, that's, that's my favorite era of music. And, you know, I mean, I don't like to think of myself as a retro artist. I think that, you know, I think I definitely pull from that genre, uh, in that time, time frame. But, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that I bring something current and, you know, progressive to it as well. So, yeah. well, it's, it's new regardless. I was just thinking about that driving around the other day because I like so many artists like of this ilk, like twangy rock and roll kind yeah. of thing. And, uh, they, new music is getting released all the time. I, I caught this track by uh, Robert Plant and uh, Patty Griffin mm-hmm. the other day. There was a video. Somebody tweeted it out, and I was like, oh, check out this video. And it was so cool. But it's it's like the same stuff. It's like Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. They make it new. They make up new food all the time out of the same seven ingredients. I have no idea how they do it. Yeah. So this is the track, Fire Inside. The artist is, the, is Ben Riddell. Uh, the Ben Riddell Band is what they're called, I guess, the proper moniker there. The AP is called The Big Dang Deal. You can pick it up at all the usual online retailers. And let's rock with this on Independence Day.
That is Ben Riddell and his band. Dig that, man. That is pretty cool. Like I said, like you got your Wurlitzer in there. You got your drums. The drums sound great, by the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's just a great sounding EP. So tell me, we kind of alluded to this before. Um, so you've been playing in all these bands. You've been out here for like ten years. Like, why wait so long? Cause, I mean, have you been writing this whole time? Yeah, I, I definitely have. And I, I think the big biggest reason um, that you know this is kind of coming you know so far into my my existence here in LA is that I, I really I feel like this is the best batch of tunes that I, I felt the most comfortable with and that's kind of why I decided to like go for it and like spend the money and like get the guys together and make the record and you know it's weird it's like as soon as I did that I was like well I can do even better and that's kind of what you know the next record I feel is going to be even like you know fourfold of what that yeah. is you know so yeah totally <laughs> it's just I, I think that I think uh, the industry uh, kind of expects like musicians to like come out of the gate swinging like Elvis Presley where it's like you know you're 18 and you have that's all right mom and you know you're you're a powerhouse in your 20s and you know when it came to me I think that I just kind of had to spend my 20s like listening to records and and learning the craft and like trying to learn how to tell stories learn how to like you know make you know, melodies work, you know, and, you know, conjuncture with verses and choruses and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I kind of think that like my, you know, my twenties was kind of like me going through like musician school and, um, well, self-taught musician school. And, uh, as we so frequently do. Yeah. I, I didn't have the money for MI, man. So <laughs> yeah. did uh, you go to college? I did for a little bit. I did, uh, three semesters at Austin community college when I was back in Texas. Um, but I, you know, I was I was gigging a lot in a punk band at the time and waiting t- tables and you know that you know my responsibilities were a little bit uh, you know far fetched at that point. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm talking to Ben Riddell. He's my guest on Independence Day. He's a Los Angeles based singer, songwriter, uh, guitarist, bass player, all kinds of different things. Uh, really cool guy. Really great EP. You should pick it up. It's called The Big Dang Deal. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it where else exactly? Uh, Amazon and uh, Rhapsody and Spotify. Okay, all the usual, yeah, yeah. all the usual places for those kinds of things. And this this is brand new. This just came out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and but you're already working on. You've already got dates booked to do another. Yeah, one. we're we're gonna start the next record uh, in May, and um, it's it's gonna be a more of a themed record. I think the Big Dang Deal was kind of just like you know, more of a just all over the place kind of thing. And this is going to be more of a focused, um, you know, it's going to be all about like just the nether world of our society, the kind of no accounts and the, the uh, people that, you know, uh, society wishes that they could forget about. Going to Tom Waits territory. Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of that kind of vibe. And every tune's going to have that feel. And then, you know, that's why I'm going to be playing uh, you, you today. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, like I said, it's just I kind of had to wait a little bit, get get it a little bit more ready to do this first record. And now that I have that underneath, you know, my wings, I, th- I feel like I can definitely like do a lot more. And I think that's what the next record is going to convey. So, so you so you let's talk about the EP. So you did an EP. I'm talking EP as a concept here. You did an EP just because it was kind of easier to get your feet wet. You yeah, know, yeah, kind of yeah. get in, get get your. Get your sea legs under you. Sure. You know, get your get your songs ringing and resonating and playing with the band. Is that was that the reason? Or? Yeah, that and I think that I just kind of wanted to focus on five tunes and not spread myself too thin. I think that like when I went into to make this record, I was you know I I really wanted to focus on all the instrumentation and like how it sounded and you know I was you know I I, I think I had a really I had an idea it, of how the record was going to sound, and I'm pretty confident that it sounds the way that I initially thought that it would. Um, and so I think that that's kind of that, that was probably the predominant reason that I, I kept it at five tunes. And also, I really just felt that at the time these were kind of the cream of the crop. They were the the best five, say, of like eight songs that I had. Yeah. And the three songs that I cut off the record and didn't record, I was just like, well, I don't think they're they're there yet. And, you know, maybe someday they'll see the light of day. It might be like a, a Neil Young thing where <laughs> I record it 20 years later or something. Yeah. Who knows? So. Yeah, a lot of artists do it that way where, you know, myself included, when I went to do my first, both my records, actually, my first record, I think we wound up recording over 20 songs, like 22, 23 songs, full on, full band in the studio. Yeah. And then picked what we thought, you know, the CD we wanted. You know, we wanted the CD. I always feel like we with CDs, 
now you know it's their vinyls becoming more prevalent and it doesn't really matter on the internet but when in CD era when we did this you know you want I wanted to give people a lot for their money you know if they're dropping 15 bucks on this you know I was wanted to give them 14 tunes which is a kind of a hefty amount of tunes a lot of production yeah. um, but an album can really kind of take on a life of its own and really uh it can be a lot of stress yeah. to put that many songs together. You know, a lot of bands do EPs. You know, but I think it's interesting to do. I'm seeing this more and more, where we live in a singles world and bands are starting out with an EP yeah, before I mean, they do a full album. Yeah, and I, I think what you said on the top of the show is totally true. Is because you know now with the internet, it's you know people kind of have this like 1950s esque kind of single mentality when it comes to you know acquiring music, and you know that's that's kind of what I was expecting when I made this record, you know, maybe someone just buys like a song or two and that's fine. Um, and that totally makes sense. And I'm, I'm thrilled that they're paying that $2 for those two songs. Um, and so, but because of that, I didn't, I didn't do a pressing of the record. So like every time I do a live show, I get like a stack of CDRs and I make like 30 of these and I get, I have the sleeves and I, I do printouts and I, it's all DIY, you know, and, the reason I do that is because, you know, it's just it doesn't make sense to spend like $2,000 of money that I don't have <laughs> to to print a, print a record that may or may not sell. And it's yeah. just because that model is just kind of, you know, it's fallen by the wayside because, you know, the Internet is so prevalent now. Um, and that's kind of that's another reason that I think this first one is EP. I think my next record will probably be like you know, seven to eight tunes. and then Yeah, maybe the, the Van Halen one. territory. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe the third one, I'll, I'll get up to like the 10 or 12. We'll <laughs> you know what, man? <laughs> By your sixth album, it's going to be like a yeah. double Frampton it, it'll Comes be my, Alive. It'll be the my, wall, yeah. your magnum opus. So how about a little music? You've brought your guitar sure. in our studio here. I would love to. And this guitar sounds great. I was, I was checking this out during sound check. It's got, I should drop a picture of this on the website. It's it's a Gretsch and it's got one of those kind of rounded triangular sound holes. It's the Django is, Reinhardt yeah, sound which hole is, kind of thing. Which is kind of kind of a Usual. You don't see a lot of guitars. Yeah, like that. I got this when I was 24. Um, I bought it at Sam Ash for like, I, I did a, a, a Sprint commercial where I was like, no, it was like a PSA to teach uh, Sprint people to like sell tele- cellular phones. And I was basically, me and these other guys were like the band in the background and the girls up in front. She's like, so when selling your, your cellular phone to your client, you know, and I'm just standing in the background holding a guitar, made 700 bucks and, you know, I was like waiting tables. So that was like huge money. Oh my God. So when yeah. Sam Ash got this guitar and she's been with me ever since. So. There's that great story about David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. Yeah. Because he knew those guys but wasn't playing in the band. And when Sid's behavior started to become more and more erratic, you know, he would always walk by this music store and see this black Stratocaster, you know, in the window yeah, or yeah. up in the wall. And he was like, oh, that's, he's a kid, you know, and it's, that's what kid, you know, you look at that stuff and like, that's like your holy grail, you know? It's, it's true. And then, you know, one day they just stopped picking Sid up and they were like, okay, Dave, you know, you're our guy. And when he was, got his first advance from the band, the first thing he said he did, he went to that music shop and he bought that Stratocaster, man. And man, did he know how to play it. <laughs> yeah, to this day. All right, so my name is Joe Armstrong. This is Independence Day. Every week I bring you musicians from Los Angeles and uh, way, way farther afield from that. And my guest tonight is Ben Riddell, R-E-D-D-E-L-L. You can check him out at facebook.com slash Ben Riddell Band. Uh, the song you're about to play, though, this isn't on the CP. This is a new tune, I Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to play stuff off the next record uh, for you today. Um, nice. this, is a, this is a tune called Single Engine, and um, it's just about... Um, I grew up... Uh, my mom's from this town called Pearsall, Texas, and my family owned the the Pearsall, Texas airport. It's called McKinley Airport, and it's a really tiny airport, and so it was just like tiny little single-engine planes. And um, So I grew up around those, and I've always had a real fascination with, like, tiny planes because I, I find them, A, terrifying uh, to be up in because, you know, they could just yeah. fall from the sky at, it's at like a whim. It's like an automobile with yeah, yeah. And But at the same time, um, you know, there's this, a story about a drug runner and, um, you know, there's there's this really cool just, you know, culture of, of you know, people using these things as a way to come into uh, America's uh, airspace with uh, the things that Americans also want. So uh, this is kind of a tune about that. All right. So this is Ben Riddell with a track, brand new track that you won't find on his EP. You should pick up the EP anyway. But the new record is going to be, they're going to start laying down tracks for that next month. And is there a release date kind of 
it'll probably kind of be next, next year. Next year. Yeah, I'll okay. probably spend this year making it. Take and your then, time. Yeah. All right. So once I, like I said before, Ben Riddell with a brand new track here on Independence Day. I got a Cessna 150 and the thing is on floats. Down a Montevideo, a pocket with the boats. I keep the engine running in case I gotta fly. Cause I'm never going to jail and I'm never gonna die. So give me my money and I fly a cargo for ya A treetop hugger and I buzz it through a border I never been busted and I never ever messed up a run I can fly from Buenos Aires all the way up to Bogota A Trinidad, Tobago, even into Barbados I'm always in the sky so sometimes I think I'm the sun I'm a smuggler and a pirate and a single-engine son of a gun Well, I got my seven children and a couple of wives I give them all my money and I stay up in their lives I got a couple of girlfriends to fill up the space it's kind of easy to do when you're all over the place So give me my money and I fly a cargo for you A treetop hugger and a buzzer through a border I've never been busted and I've never ever messed up a run I can fly from Buenos Aires all the way up to Bogota A Trinidad, Tobago, even into Barbados I'm always in the sky, so sometimes I think I'm the sun I'm a smuggler and a pirate and a single-engine son of a gun I got a Cessna 150 and she treat me real good She got a Continental engine humming right beneath the hood She lasts for 22 years, she lasts for 22 more Until the harbinger of death comes knocking at my door so give me my money and a fly a cargo for you A treetop hugger and a buzzer through a border I've never been busted and I've never ever messed up a run I can fly from Buenos Aires all the way up to Bogota A Trinidad, Tobago, even into Barbados I'm always in the sky, so sometimes I think I'm the sun I'm a smuggler and a pirate and a single-engine son of a gun Ben Riddell on Independence Day with a brand new track that you won't find on his brand new EP, which just came out last month. You are an overachiever, man. I try. Oh, and you, you, know. <laughs> you can find out about his overachieving at facebook.com slash Ben Riddell Band. That's Riddell, two Ds, two Ls. Ben, traditional spelling, like Ben Kenobi. Yeah. And uh, but the five tracks on this man, these these are great. Well, thank you. You've, you've done really great work. I'm I, I wasn't lying before. I'm looking forward to hearing what a full length record would sound like. Um, because you know all the elements are there. You've got you know some of my favorite things about about rock and roll, like seventies rock and roll. And the one the one thing that really jumped out at me is chick singers. Yeah. And so where where did you like background chick singers? Like sometimes it's just a harmony vocal. Sometimes you know in a group of girls. You know like the Stones or Floyd would do. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's that's a really kind of or like or Skinnerd. You know, it's a really distinct thing because you know, a lot of bands will just do their own harmonies with male voices. But when you sure. add those female voices, it really changes things a lot. Where did you like? Where where was the influence that brought that into your music? Um, well, I just kind of just I, I just pictured it being that way, like when I was writing it. And I, I I think that I've always just found female backup singers and female harmony singers like just so alluring because it just kind of has this. You know, A, there's a sexual appeal to it, but B, it just kind of, you know, it tells both sides of the coin when it comes to, like, a vocal 
you know, structure and sound. Um, you know, I, I, I really dig like people like, you know, Lennon and David Byrne that like harmonize with themselves. And like, you know, I, 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 when I did demos for that, that's how I did the record. You know, I just like was, you know, garage banding myself, you know, on top of myself. And I thought about doing that that way. But, um, you know, I, one of the things when I record this record at Bedrock Studios and, the thing about that place is just crawling with super, super talented musicians like all the time. And, um, you know, Rachel Fannin, who's um, an amazing songwriter, She uh, she's from the band Only You, and she's got some new projects coming out. Uh, but I just asked her, I was like, hey, you know, I don't have any money, but can you come and sing on my record? And the same thing with the, the Doll Sisters. I, you know, I was like, do you want to come do it? And they were just adamant about be- doing it for free and just, you know, being a part of it. And so it was... It was super rad to, you know, have such talented women, you know, sing on the record and, you know, bring it that, you know, that that sexual appeal, but also yeah. that that female touch that it also requires. It really it changes the music a lot and yeah, I, yeah. in a really cool way, you know. And that's something both my records have background chicks because it was an element that I loved. Yeah. So we share that we share that affinity in common. And, you know, I'm, God bless those chicks. I mean, I think there's there's three different girls. I mean, for the second record, they're Chicago-based, as I used to be. Uh-huh. And, I mean, there are lots of great singers out here, but I really love working with them. And I actually flew back to Chicago with my hard drive and my laptop and my inbox to record the chick singers and also a keyboard player who I really like to work with there as well. Just a great working relationship. But the funniest thing is, the, this, for the second record, when I went back to Chicago, we were trying to find a location because I didn't live there anymore. You know, so we're trying to find like a quiet location where we could make music racket for the afternoons without having to rent a studio. And one of these girls works for Leo Burnett. Oh, cool. The advertising agency. Yeah, yeah. So we went out on a Saturday and set up in like their cafeteria. So the background chip vocals for my second record were recorded on like the... I don't know, 35th floor of the Leo Burnett building, like overlooking Chicago's loop in Lake Michigan, like in this, you know, cafeteria. It's the weird, like a natural reverb. Totally. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, But it's such a cool element, man. Um, So also the second thing about the voice that I noticed on this record and about you in general is you've got a slightly lower voice for a rock, for a rock singer. And I'm wondering, I also have a somewhat low voice for a rock singer, and I worked for years to kind of get it up a little bit because I didn't want to be the crash test dummies guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I definitely don't want to be that. But, I mean, like, I'm really into, like, deeper singers like Leonard Cohen and Chris Christopherson and those guys. I mean, that was, like, that was, it's it's masculine. It's cash. Like, yeah, I think that, like, you know, you don't have to sound like Vince Neil to rock, you know, it, yeah. it's kind of this misconception that, you know, to, you have to be in this like soprano, like, you know, uh, range to, to really like, and I, I understand where that comes from. Like when, you know, bands started to get louder and louder, you know, you had to Robert Planet to get it above the, the Marshall half stacks and stuff. And that totally makes sense. But it's like, you know, I, I just I I, I want to do things my way and naturally and I can I can hit higher stuff too and I I think on the next record there'll be a few tunes that I do, um, but I just I, I just like a growl I yeah. I'm just a fan of that you know I think like as contemporary guys like uh, in the country world like Jamie Johnson uh, I love the way that he's doing like kind of like a Waylon thing where it's like really really deep and it's much guttural. more prevalent in country than yeah, it is yeah. in rock you know usually the rock singers you know you've got you've got a few different proto like prototypes or archetypes of rock singers you've got you know the plant model where you're out you know singing really high and screeching over the top of everything and then you've got you know the singer songwriter type the James Taylor who's kind of doesn't they're just kind of whispering Paul Simon they're kind of singing very quietly but they've they're, you know I guess what I'm getting at is what you do and what I like is that you work with it yeah. instead of against it you know and you know my my question though is as a writer who's fairly prolific I know I've done this have you ever written a song that didn't suit your voice yeah yeah I for sure um I mean, range-wise, I mean. Even. I wrote a tune um, that um, is on the Leslie and the Badgers uh, uh, record, Room Full of Smoke, that, uh, that uh, it's called Winter Fugue. And when I wrote it, uh, I just kind of just like pictured, I was like trying to sing it and like <laughs> I could only hit it falsetto-wise and I've got a really, really weak falsetto. And I was like, this is never going to work for me. And, you know, I showed it to uh, Leslie Stevens, the lead singer of that band. She really dug it and we ended up doing it in that band. And it was just like, okay, yeah, this song makes so much more sense with a female vocal, 
you know. And uh, so that that's definitely a case of that one where, you know, that that was a tune that I wrote and the way that I pictured it, it did not work for my voice whatsoever. So it could have gone to the band I was singing for, but it, instead it went to the band I was basing for. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the work that you do in other bands, you're not playing guitar, right? No, well, I mean, bass has kind of been my bag um, since I was a kid. I got my first bass when I was 12, and I, I got my first guitar when I was nine. So, I mean, like, I spent the first three years of being a, a quote-unquote musician. Um, I was playing guitar, but when I got the bass, I just really, really... You know, I had a perchant for it. I just, I, I, I just preferred the the bottom of it and just the the ability of you know, it's a different it's a different skill class and it's something that I kind of thrived in. And so when I came to LA, it was just kind of this natural thing where, you know, when people needed bass players, it was just like, yeah, I'll play bass. I play bass, and you know, that kind of just led to me being known as you know, kind yeah. of a bass player around town and. I love it. I, 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 you know, it's not like a. I don't see it as a front seat, back seat issue when it comes to being the songwriter or the bass player. It's like I love so. I love love them both so equally that you know, as long as I'm performing or playing, I don't really care what what angle. It's kind of like you know, it's like uh, I think that like actors feel the same way. Like when they you know they're in plays or whatever, they're doing Shakespeare. It's like you know, sometimes they're. Mercutio or sometimes their Hamlet or you know yeah. I think those are two separate plays but the whole point is like they they can do it's it's the 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 love of the craft it's not not just being the you know the man at the helm yeah and honestly I mean taking the acting metaphor some of my favorite actors are character actors yeah. uh you know who aren't um you know they're not Tom Cruise you yeah, know, yeah nothing against Cruise but you'll never see Cruise play anything other than his archetype crew's character sure. you know i just i love so many guys who can kind of like david strathairn yeah, yeah. who can kind of blend in to something else and uh i can't think of the guy's name oh he was in the horse whisperer oh it's killing me huh. uh oh he's been in so many movies one of my favorite mo- he was in one of the born movies he always plays like a white guy like a business guy straight yeah, yeah. type straight lace type but i love his work he's so cool he was in adaptation Oh, God, it's driving me crazy. William H. Macy? No, he's, he does the same thing. Same now. thing, yeah. Same kind of idea. I'll have to look it up. We'll come back with us after yeah. this. So, uh, Google about, it. Yeah, well, I'll Google it. How about while I'm doing that, while I plug a hole in my brain, why don't you play another tune? Sure. For us? Tell us, this is going to be another new tune, maybe? Yeah, this is a brand new song. I just wrote this um, over the past, uh, over the past uh, month, and uh, it's kind of just been a work in progress, and I kind of finally, like, last week just like locked myself in a room at uh, bedrock and just knocked it out and so i'm i'm pretty proud of it and it's uh, a great feeling isn't it yeah yeah and this is another kind of uh just another character that's a no account that society doesn't want to deal with kind of thing and what's it called uh this one's called four leaf clovers four leaf clovers this is the artist ben riddell on independence day so so very happy to have him He's got a brand new EP, just came out last month, called The Big Dang Deal, but he's working on a brand new record, and most of the songs, so far at least, all the songs he's played for us tonight are brand spanking new songs. This might be the first time you've heard these tunes. So, Ben, please, here we are. Entertain us. I was feeling the itch, I was a-burning with pain The bathroom had a blue light, so I couldn't find a vein So I shot up beneath a table in a 24-hour abandoned cafe And I got nowhere to be, I got a hole in my shoe I think I'll sleep here on the sidewalk for an hour or two And you can bet your bottom dollar There ain't no better way to spend a day And I've been finding lots of four-leaf clovers And smiling till the day is over And I've been clapping hands And I've been laying in the sand And I got myself a good time feeling And I wanna get higher than the ceiling 
is a feeling I sustain And I ain't one to complain Well, I got me a girl and her name is Claire You've probably seen her around the neighborhood with that silver green hair She likes to go between the rows of cars and come back with a dollar or two She gets a soft for me to shoot, she gets a hard for her to smoke She's an independent woman and she's quick with a joke And I consider myself fortunate Cause I've known a woman or two And I've been finding lots of four-leaf clovers And smiling till the day is over And I've been clapping hands And I've been laying in the sand Got myself a real good feeling I'm gonna get higher than the ceiling It's a feeling I sustain And I ain't one to complain Well, I used to have a car and I used to have a job But I got sick of all the hypocrites, I got tired of all the snobs So I play things by my rules, and I like things better that way And where you see a weed, brother, I see a flower What I find sugar sweet, I probably, you think it's sour that's the way that it has been And I reckon that's the way that it will stay I've been finding lots of four-leaf clovers And smiling till the day is over I've been clapping hands And I've been laying in the sand I got myself a real good feeling I'm gonna get higher than the ceiling It's a feeling I sustain And I ain't one to complain It's a feeling I sustain And I ain't one to complain my name is Joe Armstrong, and that man's name is Ben Riddell. Oh, so very happy to have him as our guest tonight on Independence Day. Please drop by indepthday.com. That's I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com to check out everything you want to know about the show. We've got 70-plus episodes archived there that you can listen to. Some really, really amazing musicians, some really, really amazing performances. I encourage you to dig back through our archives and dig some up. And very soon, Mr. Ben Riddell here will be part of those archives, but tonight we've got him live in our studio. He's playing brand new tracks off a record that he's going to start laying down next month, but he's also got a brand new EP that you can pick up in the usual places, uh, and it's called The Big Dang Deal. And But live, like I said, in our studio tonight, sitting in front of me is Ben, and man, that song is great. People should pay you to like go to their campsites and like sing. Yeah, well. And play the music. <laughs> I'd do it. Yeah. I love camping. I know. It's one of my favorite things. I was, I was talking to someone the other day, because I'm going camping. I go for about a week every oh, nice. June up in Yosemite, like one of my favorite places on the Beautiful. planet. And I was bringing a guitar, and we were talking to some folks, and I was like, I was telling them how I always wind up selling CDs. Like, the place I sell the most CDs now is when I go camping, because I'm sitting there, and people always come over, and I'm playing, and they're like, oh, that's really great. Do you have any music? And I go, I sure do. Wow. <laughs> you should try it. It yeah. would totally work. That kind of makes sense. You know, you go camping, you need to bring a bunch of cash, so the cash... They're yeah. probably they're not vacation. cash light. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, they're usually half boozed up around the campfire sure. drinking their scotch. And it's and the type of music that we both do lends itself sure. to campfires, man. Absolutely. So it's great. And uh, one thing, again, I dig about your music, it's very relaxed. You know, like even the stuff that's a little more aggressive on the record, it's got this kind of behind-the-beat kind of feel. Like where, who are the artists that you look to 
uh, when you were growing up that you that you kind of got that feeling from or that that kind of got you into playing your own music? Yeah, I, you know, I mean, what I initially, I think what my parents were really into, um, like the 70s singer-songwriters, they were really into like Cat Stevens and James Taylor and, um, you know, of course, like um, all the like Texas people, so like Willie Nelson and Jerry Jeff Walker and Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt. Um, and so I kind of grew up with that pantheon as like the people that I looked up to the most. And uh, probably for sure the laid back thing definitely comes from like the Jerry Jeff Walkers and the Willie Nelsons and stuff like that. And, you know, Robert O'Keefe, who's a little bit more contemporary in Texas, um, he was a really big influence on me, like the way that he structures songs. And, you know, I think that he's got that that sound that, you know, he's like on his like seventh beer, you know, and I think that you know, really lends itself to kind of my style, um, you know, uh, vocally. I definitely probably took a page out of that guy's book for that, you know. So I think that, like, you know, it, it's kind of like a Texas thing. Maybe it's because so, you know, darn hot there is, like, <laughs> you yeah. just kind of have to be a little lethargic to, to make it through the day. Maybe. Yeah, songwriting, though, man, these guys you're describing here, these are institutions, yeah, yeah. you know, in the songwriting community. And to something in the water in Texas, but tex- in, in Texas, I mean, elsewhere too, but in Texas, songwriting as a craft is high art. It is. You know, and they take it, you know, I don't want to say very seriously because it makes it sound like very highbrow. Cause it's certainly not highbrow, but they take their writing craft of songs. Well, I think, very, you know, very I think that a lot of them, it is pretty highbrow. I mean, there's, there's some, you know, I'm... I consider myself really fortunate. I, my cousin Noel McKay and Holland McKay, my two cousins uh, that taught me how to play, um, they're both really prolific songwriters, and I, I kind of learned a lot from those guys. But you know, like when it comes to the intricacies of like storytelling and like how you tie that into a three-minute song with verses and choruses, and how does the chorus tell the story, but at the same time be in repetition like where it's the same you know lyrics and like does it does the meaning of the second chorus change even though the lyrics are the same and like you know i think that it's it's crazy i mean that's 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 the institution that i i kind of grew up trying to emulate um you know bruce robertson there's 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 so many great um songwriters there and here as well i mean there's there's some cats that blow me away like you know um uh, Skip Heller and Nelson Bragg and, um, you know, um, there's there's tons. There's tons of people here that are, are just as awe-inspiring that, you know, probably your everyday person probably hasn't heard, um, but just amazing crafters of song. And it's kind of one of those things that, like, I think that, you know, when it comes to, like, pop radio and stuff, you, you know, people, like, they want a hook and they want something that sounds good and they can dance to and tap their steering wheel while they're driving. But at the same time, there's like this, this element of writers that's out there that, you know, does not fit into that niche. And, you know, um, they're, they're putting a lot more thought into it. And I, you know, I, I, I will always emulate those types of artists. I'll, I'll try to at least, you know, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff I'm into. Um, a guy that I, in that same ilk, a guy that I always really look up to is John Hyatt. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, and he's, he's a Nashville guy as opposed to a Texas guy. But, I mean, Songcraft oh. is also high art he's in amazing. Nashville as well. Yeah, and, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, and I've always been so, I mean, envious is the wrong word because it has a negative connotation. But if I could have anybody's job in the world, I think it would be John Hyatt's. Yeah. Because if he stopped touring... You know, on his own, or even if he stopped writing, he could just cash checks. I mean, I don't know that he's filthy rich, but I'm sure he makes a handsome living. I'm sure he does. Just walk into his mailbox. Yeah. Because people like Buddy Guy, Eric Clapton, BB King, Bonnie Raitt, Susie Boggess, the list just goes on and on and yeah. on of people who've taken his tunes. And, you know, he's got versions of them too, which are pretty cool usually. Yeah. And then they just take him to the bank, you know? It's it's I I, I I bow before that guy. It's, Absolutely, it's, yeah, it's no, so amazing. John Hyatt's amazing. Uh, so how about some more music? I want to get a sure. couple more tunes in here before yeah. we run out of time. Uh, I want to get a, probably two more. I think. So uh, is this next one going to be a new one as well? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, t- give me a little bit about this. What is this? What should we look for in this tune? <laughs> We've been talking so much about song craft. Yeah, what am I looking well, for here? This is um, I based this on this girl that I went to high school with, and um, I, it's one of those things. I, I I when I as soon as I turned. 
18, I left my hometown of Kerrville, Texas, like with a bullet. I, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I've got a car. I'm old enough. I'm moving to Austin. And a lot of my peers that I grew up with didn't. And I guess, you know, I guess this is kind of a, um, it's a made, made believe story for sure, first and foremost, but it definitely has elements of people that I grew up with. But, um, you know, it's just kind of what, what happens to someone when they just get stuck in this bubble of a, you know, small town existence and, Things go go incredibly wrong, and uh, so there's definitely a, uh, a it's it's ninety percent fiction. <laughs> there's always an element of truth, man. But that's the thing. Like these stories, even though you're writing them, they've happened. Yeah. All yeah. right. So what's the name of this tune? Uh, this song's called Jenny. All right. So let's hear this on Independence Day. Jenny hangs around down by Main Street. She listens to the radio quiet. She's waiting for all the cars in the line To get out beneath the light So she can hit on her one hitter And just get a little bit high Anything to make an old dull old night Just to go on and pass her by She got nothing left to lose Except a cord of pop-off booze And the cops and sheriffs They all know her father but she never has to worry Because this town ain't in no hurry So she just stands around blurry And they don't bother She met Doug Stinson at a mid twenty social that was held at the heart of the hills. Doug made a bunch of money and they had four children and they never had to worry a bill. Until Doug went chapter 11 and he flew off to Mexico. And now she's back at Mama's doing nickel bag speed with nowhere left to go. She got nothing left to lose except a cord of Popov booze. And the cops and sheriffs, they all know her father But she never has to worry Because this town ain't in no hurry So she just stands around blurry and they don't bother Jenny got the bright idea She gonna rob a Circle K With a 22 pistol and a Camry She gonna make her getaway But the cashier threw down a 3 6 Fired wildly into the night And the last thing she saw were her kids in the car For someone turned out the lights She got nothing left to lose Except a cord of Popov booze and the cops and sheriffs, they all know her father But she never has to worry Cause this town ain't in no hurry So she just stands around blurry and they don't bother Ben Riddell on Independence Day. Dig that, man. I love story songs. I like it. It's the hardest thing for me to do. Like, I feel like everybody's got their like their their easy songs to write. Yeah. Like I can write first person brokenhearted songs until the end of time. Yeah. You know, and it's and I can change and I guess I could just change the name. 
protect the innocent, even yeah, if I'm, yeah. even if I'm innocent <laughs> or guilty, it doesn't matter. Um, but those are easy, you know. And but I've I've really pushed myself to kind of write more story songs, more uh, you know third person songs, even if it's about myself. You know what? You know, do you have? You know, when it comes to writing, do you have a process? Do you work it out like a muscle? Like some artists sit down at their typewriter or their computer every day and write for an hour. Do you scrawl on napkins? Do, you, do you, I guess, what, what are your tricks to get yourself to write? Well, I mean, I the thing with this, all the tunes I'm playing today, it's like for the new record, it's it's all kind of like conceptualized where I, I wanted it to be, it wanted it, I, there's going to be, the the, the the tune I'm going to finish is definitely a first person one, and, and that's definitely the vibe of, of, of the EP. Um, but I, I definitely was deliberately trying to do story songs, I think, for this record. And I think the reason was is because I've always, you know, like you said, it's just, it's a, it's such a cool craft and like, you know, that, you know, my, one of my favorite tunes is uh, Cats in the Cradle by, by Harry Chapin. And it's like, I think as a kid, I was like just so in awe of like, you know, how complex that story is, but how very simplistic and, you know, how we can all relate to it kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I've just always really had a, a very high regard for the, the genre, as I guess story songs goes. Um, so I definitely that's, that was deliberate. But in the regards of, like, what I'd sit down to write, it, it all starts with, like, I'll get a melody and I'll get an idea. It's all, it all starts with a melody and then, like, an idea will come. And all these, I, they were all very natural. I didn't force anything. Every story that I came up with was just I was at a certain place and I was feeling a certain way and I was feeling, um, you know, for most of these it was just, like, it's kind of my, like, I'm fed up with conformity. And, like, these stories are all, like, about, like, people that, you know, you, you know society doesn't want to hear it. And it's like society doesn't want to know about heroin addicts or drug dealers or, you know, people that, that had a really tough time or something like that. It's just, like, you know, they want, it, they want this cookie-cutter, like, you know, toddlers in Tierra's existence. And, you know, I, I, that's kind of what, what was pushing me for all these tunes, you know, when I started writing uh, all this stuff. Like, it started in July, you know, with all this stuff. And so that was kind of the, the premise, you know. Um, that, that's, it's, it's always interesting. Every artist has got their, their own way that they go about it. And I, I think it's interesting that you kind of pushed yourself to, to have a thematic current yeah, yeah. running through all of these songs. Because I, for me... As an artist, when I've written things like the, it's not that I write concept albums necessarily, but the album will reveal a theme to me, you know, whatever I'm thinking about or writing about. Like the theme always reveals itself to me during the process of recording the album. Yeah. Like I may have these songs that initially I don't think don't hang together. I mean, they're all me, but you know, they don't. They might be pretty disparate in their sound or uh, themes. But then as I do the record, it's like, oh yeah, okay. You know that that makes sense, and it, it 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 tells you. Like I feel like a song is the same way. It tells you what it wants to be if you listen carefully. If you yeah, listen totally careful true. enough, you know. Um, different artists describe songwriting like rather than additive art, it's a subtractive art. It's like leaving out what you don't want rather than putting in what you do. That makes any sense? It totally does. You know, and I, I I could talk about these things all night, man. You and me both. You know, get you're, us a, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Get us a get us a bottle of Freud yeah. and a fire. <laughs> that sounds we'll, great. We'll be here all night. Um, so you know, how prolific are you as a writer? Are you constantly writing? Are you? Is it like pulling teeth to get one finished? Kind of. It's a little bit in between. I you know I, I I've been working a lot faster than I used to. I think when I was like in my twenties, I'd write like a song. I'd write like two songs every year and it's kind of gotten a lot faster of recent because I've, I've been kind of just more motivated about it and just, you know, cause I'm, I'm really trying to, 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 to sell myself at this point. And, um, I think, you know, I, I, I and it's not that I'm just like trying to, you know, churn them out to, you know, cause I'm not making any money on it. I mean, the thing is that I'm just trying to just do my best work and it's just kind of slowly, you know, I'm, they're, they're just coming along and like, you know the the four leaf clover song that I played earlier. That all just derived that there's this guy that is right by Bedrock Studios that was would just sit in the median, same as Chester, and you know he was just the happiest guy ever. But you could tell like he had a really serious like heroin problem, and like I I basically just kind of wanted to step into his shoes for a moment and like know where he came from and. 
So I made up a story, you know, and that's that's just kind of the vibe that I was going with for that, you know. So it's just, you know, I guess I think that, like, a life moment happened and then I thought about it and then, like, a melody came to me and then, so. Yeah. So, I mean, when you say a melody came to you, are you talking about, like, driving around without an instrument in your hands? Yeah. Like a melody would just pop into your head? It, a melody never comes to me when I have a guitar really? in front of me. It's the weirdest thing. And and that's another thing. It's like I can't just like go, all right, I'm going to lock myself in this room and come up with a tune. It, I, that, that That's a waste of time because literally I have to be like at a mall or like at Ralph's or, you know, <laughs> at an arcade or something before something comes to me melodically. Like I can come up with an idea, no problem, but like a melody always has to like kind of just yeah. come very naturally when no instruments around and – you know, one of the, the great things about, you know, the iPhone is the voice memo thing. And yeah. so, like, I'll be, you know, walking around and it's like, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to get that. And yeah. So. Have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever come up with an idea and not had your phone around and lost it to the ether? Uh, I Well, you know, I, I, I'm so addicted to my iPhone. I, I, I don't think I've been around been without an iPhone for <laughs> since I got one in it's December. never been more than arm's reach away. Since I got one in December 2011 and ever since I and I'm not one of those weird dudes just like staring at my phone all the time but I definitely like you know now that like my emails into my phone you know it's just like you get hooked. It's the other half of our brain man. It, it, it makes sad. me it makes me more productive. You know? Oh, it totally. I man, yeah. I I send, and I need something to make me more productive. Honestly, I, yeah, and you know, I I don't think I, I was a poor correspondent before I got one too, and it's kind of helped me keep up with like you know sending emails back and like not forgetting about stuff, and so <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. I I do know, I know all too. Is well. Apple going to pay us for this commercial? Yeah, no, <laughs> no, they most certainly will not. Son of a gun, yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't really hear sponsored by Apple that no. terribly much. Some bands, though, get good deals. I worked for a band once that got some kind of inside deal and got cheap laptops and cheap iPods and things. But, you know, that was still when Apple's was kind of a growth thing. Maybe it's changed now. I don't my know. my friends, the submarines, they got really lucky. They um, they were one of the first bands like the, hey, I'm a Mac and I'm a PC. And they were the band playing in the oh, background. Cool. And so that that kind of fueled their career and, you know, made it to where they could make, you know, really cool music that they do. So I, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. I wish it would happen to me. It's a funny line because before, you know, we don't, you know, we don't have a ton of time to go down this road, but once upon a time, like nobody would ever put their music in an ad. And now it's a very important revenue stream Absolutely. for artists. Absolutely. No. And that's, you know, that's the funny thing. It's like, cause there's no MTV anymore. There's no, there's well, there no, there is, they just play sucky shows. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so there's not there's not a lot of breakout points. So it's like, you know, a commercial is a really good way to get your your music to the national market really really fast. And you know, it might just be, you know, like the Dawes, for example. They they had a, a Ram Country commercial where like it played like their the chorus of the tune with like a truck going through like a pasture or something. And that that was huge for them, and like that's the that's the world we're living in, and you know I I don't I don't necessarily think it's a good thing, nor do I think it's a bad thing because a it's getting artists paid, and you know at this point where music's free, you know yeah God bless them if they're getting Indeed. any money whatsoever. How much money? This is okay. This is a two part thing. How much money do you think Bob Seger has made from that one song? Like a rock. Like a rock. Oh, millions of dollars. Millions. Yeah. Now he was Bob Seger before yeah. that, so he, the reason they got him to do it is because people knew he was Bob Seger. And you know, it comes a point where they're probably like, you know, I toured with the Silver Bullet Band all through the seventies and eighties, and I'm making the exact same money just sitting on my couch getting royalty checks from Ram yeah. <laughs> or whatever, uh, or Silverado, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's funny though. I'll, this is what I was going to say, and then I want you to play one more yeah. tune before we roll out of here. This is a testament to that song. I actually still like that song. Oh, yeah. As many times as I've heard that song in snippets on little 30-minute, 30 30-second, 30 60-second spots, it's still a good song. Yeah. And I love that slide guitar solo, but that's totally inside oh, baseball. Dude. I love that song. I've I'm, always loved that song. I've always been a Seeger fan. I, I will be till the day I die. He's an icon. Yep. All right. So how about icons? Hope you're an icon someday. I mean, you're an icon to me, but I hope that you're an icon to a lot of people. So uh, I'm, I'm talking to Ben Riddell. He's my artist tonight. He's got one more song for us. Tell us a little bit about this, Ben. Uh, yeah. What am, what am I playing? Uh, I know exactly what I'm playing. Um, this song is brand new, and it's um, 
this is a first person tune actually uh and um i went through a, a bit of a rocky thing in the summer with a girl and uh you know it was it kind of came out of that and um that's good stuff for songwriting good man. stuff for songwriting uh, bad stuff for life, good stuff for songwriting, and uh, so this is kind of a, a, a heartbreak song, as it were. What's it called? Uh, it's called uh, "Between Love and the Blues." All right. Once again, I'm so happy to bring you Ben Riddell with a brand new song here on Independence Day. These are the moments. We call our lives Some are filled with elation Others with strife It's the things that we win It's the things that we Walking on the needle Between love and between the blues We were together Once again, I give you Ben Riddell on Independence Day. You can learn about him at facebook.com slash Ben Riddell Band, R-E-D-D-E-L-L Band, traditional spelling there. Another great tune, man. And you know what? I am a sucker for any song in triple meter. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> Always. It's a rule of mine. Any album I ever write or release or produce has to have a song in triple meter on it. I, I kind of, the, the form, I'm going to be totally honest, I kind of stole it from the Turtles. Have you ever heard the Battle of the Bands record from 68? I think it's the last song. It's like in triple, uh, it's in three, four, and it's like there's like French horn and stuff. And so between you and me and the uh, the audience at home, I'm, I'm going to probably pull uh, some French horn onto this record. Nice. I just got to find a French horn player. I know that guy's out there somewhere. Nah, or a girl. Or a girl. A lot of French horn players or chicks, you know. Yep. Uh, but yeah, no, that's great. I mean, honestly, that's, we all borrow 
than, yeah, yeah. than from each other. If you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, steal from the best. That's the That's idea. What I say. So man, I can't thank you enough for coming out Joe, here. Joe, thanks for having me, man. Uh, this has been fantastic. I can't wait to hear what this new record's gonna sound like. And people, like I said, can pick up your current record, the one that just came out, the EP, five songs, the big dang deal. You can pick that up at Spotify, iTunes, and you're actually making some physical copies. You can yeah, pick them yeah, up at shows. Yeah, I'm making it for the shows, and if something happens, if you know, some some someone picks me up, I'll I'll print them. You kept, you <laughs> Catch that leprechaun, man. I'll send catch him, that leprechaun. Send it my way when you're done. Yeah, right. Uh, so, and you've got just one show coming up this summer because you're mostly well, working on the record. Yeah, and I, it's confirmed at least. I, I'm one of those. I've got a really great circle of like bands that I play with, and it always it's like, hey, can you play with me next week? And that's kind of how I operate. And yeah, this is the only one that I know for sure is Concrete yeah. and Stone, and uh, I'm sure I'll have a show if if you just you know like me on Facebook. I'll I'll be um I'll be I I I talk about all my shows so yeah there, so. absolutely but that show is august 25th, 25th yeah. at the grand Ole echo the mm-hmm. main stage which is an amazing event i highly encourage everybody to check it out it goes all summer long at the echo sunday night the best thing about it it sounds like an old guy thing but it wraps up early yeah like if, if you've got a respectable job and you got to be somewhere you can be in bed by like 9 30 there's so many great shows on hbo and uh amc right now anyway you want to get home and watch mad men and game of thrones you yeah know, yeah to, to, to play my nerd card but great music, man. Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you, thank you, thank you so really much for having it. me, man. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. So thank you very, very much to Ben Riddell, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton, and to Valentino Rivera and Hector Lozano from Lancer Radio, as always. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.